our our studio motto is save it for the air, but you keep giving me more stuff that makes me even more mad. Like when you're telling me that their, their goal for, you know, upside down cross pushing this advertising to other states, that's what they want to do. They're wanting to come after us. Yeah. Well, the good thing is, is <laughs> like I showed you though, the people have not been responding well to these posts because I went through the comment sections of these cosmopolitan articles that were saying how great it was that the satanic temple was offering safe and legal medical care and that they're going to try to make sure that this medical care gets into other states and whatnot the people in the comment sections were not having it they said this is totally wrong this is disgusting this is child sacrifice which i did not expect the people of instagram of all social media platforms to be you know saying i'm glad they are i'm glad they are so um absolutely disgusting stuff happening over there the the man is here you got any I don't know if you heard that story we were talking about with abortion, Attorney General Ashcroft, just how Cosmo's pushing it. Yeah, I did hear the story, and it's troubling. Uh, when I left the Justice Department, I was, you know, one of the criticisms or comments that the Wall Street Journal made about my time in office that I was kind of intransigent on partial birth abortion, that much of the culture was upset with me because I opposed partial birth abortion. But it's one thing um, to oppose abortion. It's another thing to celebrate it. I know. It sounds to me like this is a celebration. One of, the, one of the other comments that I'm not sure about, but I think is true, this idea that this is the woman's body and that it's her blood. Uh, I think there is um, uh, some serious evidence that the blood of the mother is not exchanged with the blood of the unborn child. Mm. through the umbilical there's nourishment but i'm not sure i and I, I i'm certainly not but regardless whether or not it's it's blood that she quote owns as her own body uh it's pretty clear that it's it may be in her body but it, it, for me uh it's not uh her body it's uh and i think the country has largely moved uh against m- in a very therapeutic way against abortion. Yeah. But there are at the edges left individuals who feel that in certain circumstances or at a certain time, it's less objectionable than in others. But it's very shocking to find out that there remain a group of people who prefer to celebrate abortions. That's the crazy thing about celebrating. Um, <clears throat> you know, one thing that struck me was Abraham Lincoln made a speech in 1838. And he put it this way, as a nation of free men, we must live through all time or die by suicide. Mm. And, uh, I, you know, 150 years ago or 60 years ago plus, uh, he said we must either live as free people or die by suicide. But you wonder whether or not when we've killed 70 million or more children, that's not an act of suicide. Wow. And, and then, for me, this uh, maiming of children that's involved in the surgical sort of implementation of this trans movement, it almost always results in children that will not be able to bear yeah. the next generation. So you put those things together and you begin to say, are we in some way on the altar of our own desire 
dying by suicide. Yeah. At some point, the culture cannot survive if we abort enough and we um, render enough people incapable of reproduction. Yeah. And I, I guess uh, if, as long as you're willing to keep importing people from other countries, but, you know, the United States is not a culture that, that is, is replacing itself now. Our birth rate is low enough. It's like Western yeah. Europe that uh, if we don't import people from another place over time, will be non-existent. Yeah. I just didn't know whether Abraham Lincoln, you would never know whether he was thinking about something like that, but in a strange way. Maybe he has. We are, uh, we're dying by suicide. What a, and given the fact that life is such a precious gift. And we're coming into a season. Let's, let's not forget that we're, the, the season of Christmas is the season of celebrating life in a special way yes indeed yes indeed so, <laughs> so well it's, it's it's something well attorney general he came in a little bit early I, just the wisdom that you have we can always sit here and listen to you all day we we're going to get to traffic here with don and then we're going to come back and we got so much more with um attorney general john ashcroft he's going to be here for the whole hour the man's already bringing in some wisdom that I, don't you guys feel like our show just got a little bit more distinguished, a little bit more intelligent? Like, Absolutely. <laughs> dream on. Dream, you know, Absolutely. you're supposed to be awake early in the morning if you're running a radio program, not dreaming about wisdom. <laughs> hey, I'm going to give you this, Cass. Um, my son, Mason, he just wanted to say um, he's um, agreeing with you that math is dumb. So um, that's Wait a, a little, second. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> math's not dumb. I, I disagree with them, but Mason Cass said it. I don't know that I ever said math is dumb. <laughs> okay, wait. No, that she, that she said that. Yeah, she said. He, I think what we said, meant is we're, being dumb, we're dumb at math. <laughs> if you're saying math is dumb, I'm just telling you that doesn't add up. Okay, no, he says Mason's telling people that. All right, so. Welcome back to Wake Up Springfield. Man, we are privileged and honored to have former Attorney General John Ashcroft with us. He'll be with us for the next hour. Um, we're going to um, talk with him a little bit. I want to get his perspective on what's happening with the DOJ. Used to be over it. And um, so I, I, I'm sure that you have some thoughts about what's happening um, over here as a former attorney general. And then um, but and then I want to remind you guys at 730, we're going to have Dr. Bob Onder. He's a former state senator. He's running for lieutenant governor. He'll be on with us. And so um, we'll ask him a few questions about what's going on with that. But um, former uh, so uh, General Ashcroft. I, I just have to go to it. Um, man, it seems like the, the DOJ, they are, they're, they're not in high regards with a lot of us. You see the stuff that's happening with, um, the way they're trying to prosecute President Trump. Um, it seems like there's a two tier justice system. You go back even before that. They let the Clintons get away with crazy stuff. Um, when you were over the DOJ, um, seems like maybe, does it seem like a lifetime ago? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> at least one way. At least it does. I think this is interesting because you inherited um, the the Department of Justice that was run by Janet Reno, and um, after eight years, and I think when you left the Wall Street Journal, it says this. Here's a here's a little um, quote of what they said. Um, you deserve credit for restoring credibility to the department and integrity to the office. That is not said of the DOJ right now. I mean, your thoughts, sir. <laughs> Well, uh, I regret, you know, it's a fundamental component of any free culture that there be an even-handed system of justice, that justice itself is the adjudication based on facts and, and uh, an understanding of reality of what's right and what's, what's sustainable. Yeah. And uh, when justice is used 
not as a way to adjudicate disputes, but as a weapon in disputes, not an indisputed weapon, undisputed weapon, but it becomes part of a, it, it's, it's, it's bad. So when the Wall Street Journal said that, uh, that I inherited a Justice Department that was damaged and some thought permanently, uh, the Wall Street Journal said after eight years of Reno and conflicts, and they called it the loose with the law Clinton appointments. Uh, they signaled that they thought those things needed remediation. Yeah. And uh, I believe that our Justice Department needs remediation now. Uh, I know. So, like, it's like, so it, I'm, a, I'm a common sense brother. Messed up before you came in, Republican control. We got some men with a person with some integrity, some honor. And then now it's there again. Are we. Is this because the Democrats are running? Are they all shady suckers? I mean, have you ever heard? Have you ever heard anybody refer shady suckers? Could I say that to you? <laughs> I don't know any suckers that wouldn't be shady. All right, then, so it's probably redundant, but you probably can pour it on. I, I think there there have been a lot of people of various political persuasions and ideological uh, understandings that have operated in a context of integrity in the Justice Department. Uh, I don't think it has been weaponized previously, nearly to the extent that it appears to be now. Come on, now, you're saying appears. I mean, it, you you got inside skinny. Maybe you have, but dude, come on now. I'm, is I, it appear, is it, is, are we past the word alleged? Because it seems like, you know, I mean, there's... Uh. <laughs> You know, you're talking to a lawyer and, you know, you ought to be, you know, they say after you shake hands with a lawyer, you ought to count your fingers to make sure that he hadn't stolen any of them. Okay. But the truth of the matter, you know, I'd rather, it certainly has, and I'll be very frank with you, that one of the responsibilities of the Justice Department is to maintain an appearance that is eligible for the confidence of the American people. Because when the American people lose their confidence in the Justice Department and in the justice system, that's when they begin to regress into a setting where they want to take justice into their own hands or that they uh, revolt against justice and take their causes into the streets instead of expecting for the peaceful resolution of issues that should be undertaken in a framework of fairness and uh and, and fact orientation rather than than uh, preference for one group or another group. So, yeah, it's very important. There have been many uh, attorneys general of various persuasions politically who have been devoted to the idea. You know, they make you know they put the stuff in bronze. The lady up there has the blindfold over her eyes, yeah. holding up the scales of justice, not to be preferring or otherwise favoring one side or another but adjudicating things based on a neutral understanding and observation of the facts yeah and uh and that has a kind of equity association uh uh in, in it's implicit in it and the idea of equity and justice has has, has gone down the drain pretty That's aggressively the, yeah, absolutely that's where that's what frustrates us. I mean, you know, when you went in, it sounded ironic because I mean, you went in as a wartime. You were there during nine eleven, and I mean, we're kind of this craziness is going on now over here in the Middle East. You see that's happening. Um, it, I think the the Wall Street Journal article said that you're going to go down as the wartime 
um, attorney general, led the fight against terrorism. So you have that going on, which shouldn't we be uniting as a country to make sure we're fighting terrorism? It seems like right now, these attorney, the, the attorney general there now, the Biden administration, they're not trying to unite to fight against terrorism. They're trying to unite to fight against their own political opponent. It's uh, amazing to me. The Justice Department is not the only p- p- part of government that appears to be perverted. Uh, the interference on the part of our administration with re- Israel's right to defend itself yeah. and to protect itself. It's, it's, uh, and protection and defense are obviously the right and left hand of any good culture to protect against uh, and defend against uh, terrorist activity. And this pressure to say to Israel, uh, you've got to restrain yourself in terms of making yeah. uh, making sure you, you know, what are we celebrating? We're celebrating, uh, is it, it, uh, it must be 62 years, no, 82 years, this week will be the uh, celebration of Pearl Harbor. Okay. And what would have been the, you know, and Roosevelt, what would Roosevelt have done? If, uh, if Pearl Harbor had been, had happened and it didn't just happen, it was a perpetrated by the Japanese nation. Yeah. And what if they had said, we've just bombed the living thunder out of you. We've killed, uh, something like 2,200, 2,300 of your people, but we demand a ceasefire now. Yeah, it's crazy. I'm going to punch you in the nose. I'm going to kill your people. I'm going to destroy your Pacific fleet. And then as soon as that's over, we want a ceasefire. Yeah. <laughs> so we can reload and come and get your next base of operations. I'm stunned. This idea that somehow humanitarian concerns... um Promote this idea of a ceasefire when all you do is arm people to come and, and during the ceasefire, they've, they've launched attacks that they've been bragging about against Israel. I, I think we ought to let Israel decide how it needs to defend itself. Absolutely. You know, there's a couple of thoughts to that though, too. I mean, number one, our, our culture's softer than we were before. We don't understand that. We just have people that don't understand you know, they're like, and they try to use the Bible against us Christians or whatever. They, you know, this, there's this soft mindset. They don't understand conflict. And, and sometimes the best way to deal with a bully is to just punch him in the mouth. Well, yeah. Or, uh, even you might have to destroy him. And yeah, there are some, uh, aspects of this that I don't think are understood well because the debate is so shallow. Uh, one is that we've got to get these hostages out. Yes, we do. And, uh, well, we do at what cost? And, uh, if, uh, if it means that they're going to take more hostages whenever they get a chance and how many people, what if it cost us, what if it cost Israel 300 soldiers to get every hostage that the, uh, Hamas has taken back? And you think, well, is there a cost that comes to getting hostages out? Well, when you stop the fighting and you let Hamas rearm, and then you have to send three, uh, three of theirs back for every one you get out. And one other observation, I, we probably don't have time. You know what? Can we get to it after this? Because we do got to take a little, we got to get the, oh, um, and you, and you've news. got the, 
you've got an agenda here. I'm yeah. just shooting shooting off my mouth. So. But we love it. But we absolutely love it. Uh, former Attorney General John Ashcroft, he's going to be with us for uh, for at least another 45 minutes or so. I like to try to get him in as much as we can. Um, hold that thought. We're talking about the costs of um, these hostages and such. Um, we're going to have Bob Onder. He's going to be running for Lieutenant Governor, former State Senator Dr. Um, Bob Onder. He's going to be with us and um we'll get to him and um we'll get to that right after this um local news with um don luzader stick around welcome back to wake up springfield we have um joining us in studio we have the um um former attorney general also some of them know him as the goat of hillcrest high school class of 1960 inducted into the hall of fame in 2020 yeah we got we, we do our research on you attorney general but <laughs> and joining us on the line we have um former state senator and um dr bob onder he's running for lieutenant governor how are you this morning sir i am doing really well thanks for having me on alex and it is such an honor to be on at the same time as general ashcroft good morning to you good morning yeah, isn't that kind of cool? I, I, he, he just said in between, he's like, I'll let you do it. I'm like, no, if I, if I'm being interviewed and I know the former attorney general, John Ashcroft is there, I'd be more than honored to talk with him. So I, I told him to weigh in however he wants. So, so, um, so, um, Mr. Dr. Onder, so you're running for lieutenant governor. Tell us what's your, um, why, why are you running? What's the plan? Well, yeah, as you know, Alex, I have spent the last last eight years up until January um, serving in the Missouri Senate. I'm a husband. I'm a father. I'm a medical doctor. Um, But most of all, I am concerned about the direction of our country and our state. You know, Missouri, uh, located as it is in the crossroads of our country with Republican uh, supermajorities, Republicans, holding every statewide office, Missouri could be doing so much better. We so much lag behind other states around the country. Our economic growth in the last 20 years is one half of the nation as a whole. And we're even further behind um, red states such as Texas and Florida, uh, even Tennessee and Arkansas. We could be doing so much better. And why is that? You know, we send Republican supermajorities time and again to Jefferson City. And what do we get? We get a budget over doubling in the last five years. We get our legislature funding DEI, funding Planned Parenthood, um, you know, funding the libraries. Um, in fact, uh, General Ashcroft's um, um, son, Jay, our secretary of state, has done an incredible job of fighting back on libraries uh, wanting to put porn in front of our children. Um, we, we, we elected a legislature that, that, uh, elected to sell 300,000 acres of Missouri farmland to communist China. We could be doing so much better and we need, uh, leadership at the executive level, uh, to accomplish Missouri's potential. Yeah. There's not a lot of people that are going to disagree with, um, with your agenda there. Those things that you're talking about. Um, I got just wondering, like, as lieutenant governor, what do you see, how do you see yourself playing a role in accomplishing a lot of these objectives? You know, the things like um, cutting the budget, getting it down to where it's manageable, the DEI stuff that's going on, getting these books out of libraries, and even farmland. How, how do you, as lieutenant governor, how would you impact that? Well, very good question. I think um, there are, you know, of course, these, the, the, the lieutenant governor is the president of the Senate. Uh, the lieutenant governor only has 
a uh, vote in the case of a tie, but the lieutenant governor has um, uh, duties uh, in the running of the Senate. But most of all, I think the lieutenant governor has the ability uh, to lead uh, fellow legislators uh, in the right direction. And that's 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 something I, I don't know that we've seen um, out of the lieutenant governor's office since uh, Peter Kinder was lieutenant governor. He he uh, he led on a uh, on a number of uh, of issues: education reform, labor reform, uh, containing uh, spending, fiscal responsibility. Um, I, I, I think uh, like Lieutenant Governor a lot of times can make that office what uh, you know what he or she uh, wo- uh, wants it to be. And what I would use that office for is to advocate for and gain support for conservative policies that can move Missouri in the right direction. Uh, Let me just chime in here because having served as governor for eight years, I I know that uh, Lieutenant governor is a very important position of its own, but let me also indicate that a Lieutenant governor is a heartbeat away from being governor. And when a Lieutenant governor becomes governor, sometimes he has a profound influence, and our governor was the lieutenant governor who first ascended to the governor's job by virtue of his station as lieutenant governor, and then he ended up appointing a wide variety of fish. He appointed a lieutenant governor. He appointed an attorney attorney general, uh, uh, oh, oh, uh, appointed uh, a state treasurer uh, so that uh, – the contingency responsibilities of the lieutenant governor's job uh, signal that it is something to be taken very seriously. Yeah. And those uh, are responsibilities that only transpire if, if the person becomes governor. But <laughs> I, uh, one of my favorite stories was the governor of uh, Oklahoma, Louis Nye. He had a special handshake where he would shake your hand and put his index finger against your wrist and he'd say he's always checking the pulse of the governor and he was doing, <laughs> doing that because uh you know the lieutenant governor if the lieutenant governor becomes and something that voters should consider I, this is not in favor of any particular candidate but if you're going to be don't don't devalue that job or that office thinking that it might not be consequential it could have profound influence in ways that are just unanticipated, like the appointment of virtually all the other state executive officials. That's good. So what do you think? And about I guess, it, yeah, and I, I think that's that's right. That it is a, 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 an extremely important responsibility. The lieutenant governor also uh, becomes the governor when the uh, governor is is uh, out of out, uh, is unavailable, whether out of the country or incapacitated. But also the lieutenant governor has a number of other very important duties um, pertaining to veterans affairs, seniors affairs, the arts, uh, the Buy Missouri program. So, uh, And I also think it's very important that the lieutenant governor work uh, well with the, uh, you know, with the, with the governor, um, which I, I believe I could do. So, yeah, I th- I th- I, it's a very important position. Allison and I, my wife Allison, of uh, 28 years, have I, and I have always said that we would consider running again if there were a race where we could make a difference, and I believe this is that race. Yeah. Well, do- Dr. Onder, I um, don't know you personally. I know people that know you, and they speak highly of you, and the reality is this. I just wonder, and this is a question I have for anyone running for office. You're a successful doctor, 
a business owner, um, why in the world would you want to? Um, I mean, doctors make a little bit more than what, you know, <laughs> what, you know, state senators and even, you know, lieutenant governors make. Um, I'm just assuming it's for the act of service, but why else would you want to, um, throw your hat in the ring for, for public service again? Well, there's no question about that. The only good reason, you know, it's sometimes said that people either run for office because they want to do something or because they want to be somebody. Uh, believe me, I don't need another title. To me, the most, uh, most important titles in my, my life are husband, father, and most important, child of God, follower of Jesus Christ. Uh, but, you know, I've been successful in my professional life. Um, I have a successful medical practice. Uh, really, public service to me is about giving back, uh, really because I see that the most, uh, the most successful, uh, most blessed country on the face of the planet ever in the history of the planet that has offered more opportunity to more people of every race and creed and color, uh, we, we see our country in peril. Um, our, our, our way of life, our values are threatened constantly, and not just by the far left, but by the, the many times the mediocrity and the acquiescence of um, Republicans, even Republicans in our legislature and our state government. So... Uh, we, you know, Alice and I spend a lot of time consulting, uh, praying about it, and we just decided that we couldn't stay on the sidelines. Well, there you go. So Dr. Bob Onder, um, former Missouri State Senator um, over in the St. Louis area, West St. Louis, and um, now he's running for lieutenant governor. So how can people get in touch with you if they want to support you or hear more about you? Well, first of all, not St. Louis, St. Charles St. County, Charles, God's yes, County, and uh, um, Bob Andermo, BobAndermo.com, and Bob Andermo is uh, my Twitter handle and Facebook name. Well, there you go, Bob Andermo. Hey, thanks for your time. We'll have you back again. Um, good luck, and um, God bless you. Thank you, Alex. Thank you. Well, there you have it, Bob Onder. He's running for lieutenant governor. And, uh, man, we got a lot more. We have um, Attorney General John Ashcroft. He's going to be with us um, for a little bit more, about another 30 minutes. Um, he's We've been talking with him about the um, the cost of these hostages and what's happening over there in the war and um, in, um, in the Middle East. And then, as well, we've been talking about the DOJ. I want to ask him about should we try to reform or is there time for revenge? That's something we need to talk about there in the DOJ as well. And we'll get to all that and more right after this traffic with Don Luzader. Friends, I wish that you all had the privilege and the honor of what Cass, Don, and I are having here with um, former Attorney General John Ashcroft. Even the wisdom we're getting on the radio in between segments. Oh, wait has- a second. I'm just listening to the ads. I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're listening to you and the wisdom that you're giving. I got my pen and notepad here taking down notes. It's it's an honor. We've been talking with um, Attorney General John Ashcroft. He is a Missouri um, treasurer. He is a Springfield treasurer. Hillcrest High School. I was just sent a little picture of you being inducted into the Hall of Fame over there in 2020. Class of 1960. Um, I don't know if you know this or not, but I you're the only one in this studio that was born then. I don't know if you know that. So that, that was born. That was born in 1960 
when you no. were oh well i was i wasn't born well, in was 1960 born before, before that yeah i mean we weren't <laughs> oh, even around i was born at an early age i have to tell you that he's making you feel young isn't he yeah, yeah. wow i can go back to that but i i'd lose my social security benefits no i probably just about i'm old enough to get social security even if i was born yeah, you are. Oh man, that's funny. Okay, so Attorney General, I want to I want to talk to you about two things this, during this little bit. You were talking about um, the cost of the hostages and those people that were listening 15 minutes ago. I'm 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 kind of hearing you on this because you know what is the cost? I mean, you you said what if it cost them 300 soldiers to get these hostages? Well, yeah. yeah well, first of all, we're releasing Hamas terrorists. Yes, we are. And they are releasing innocent women and children. These are not three to one. And yet we're doing have a ratio, which is very tough. But there's another aspect that I don't hear anyone discussing. And maybe this just signals how off the wall I am. But I, I believe Israel intends to recapture the people that it's releasing. Okay. Uh, it is said that Hamas terrorists are walking dead men. Capture or kill then, because I mean, if they yes. go over to Hamas, they're going to try to destroy them all. So, and, and, and I believe that they're justified in doing it. They yeah. have to take them, uh, if they send them back for purposes of rearming and then re- recidivating, so to speak. Uh, so what is, is it's going to cost them? It will cost members of the IDF. It will cost Israeli soldiers to go back and get the people that it's now releasing. I, the idea of recapture is not something that I have heard expressed, but I will bet you, I, I don't know Netanyahu intimately, but I know him well enough that he knows who I am and we've talked to really? each other. And let me just say this, that I'll, I'm sure when he releases these people, he's, <laughs> at least thinking in his mind see you later okay. because we're going to come and we're not going to be content until we eradicate hamas and he's made that clear so the idea that somehow not only uh are we in a bad ratio of three to one uh in terms of what we release in terms of terrorists and their release for yeah. just innocent children and women but it's going to cost us more than that us and I, I identify with Israel profoundly in this respect. It's going to cost freedom, the lives of innocent freedom fighters and soldiers who will go in and finish the work of, 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 of finalizing the Hamas situation. Freedom's so, never free. Freedom well, is never free. It costs someone you gotta something. Got to pay the price. You got yes, to sacrifice yes, for liberty. That's the jingle from the old song that freedom isn't free. And that's right. It's it's not so. It's not cost free. And the idea that as soon as someone has a hostage, we have to lay down the arms of a nation in order to retrieve a hostage is going to result in a lot of hostages being taken. Yeah. I, I think we have to. This is a terrible dilemma. Yes, it is. You've got to really have your heart go out. But at some point, it's uh, we have to defend the great interests of our national security and the security of the nation of Israel. Absolutely. Um, man, the wisdom of um, former Attorney General John Ashcroft. I want to get back to the Department of Justice. But before we do that, everyone knows that I'm extremely random. And when you were saying um, about Benjamin Netanyahu, and you're like, I don't know him, but you know, you've talked to him enough. I'm, the only thought I could think of is, I wonder 
who like the cool people that's on your phone? Like what numbers do you have? That would be so cool. Like, come on, give us some name drops. Like who's the coolest person that you can call right now that would blow our mind? You got Kanye's phone number or what? <laughs> Kanye. <laughs> I, 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 I can call Alex Bryant. Just oh, well, that's, well, there you go. Yeah, he's, got cool that, he's got that funny phone number, and I'm not going to give it on the air. Fort because, Myers, Florida, the 239. Yeah, for heaven's sakes, I'm thinking, I do have a few friends in Fort Myers. but I, You know my uh, pastor, Dan Betzer. He, yeah, I still call him my Dan's pastor. Dan's a Springfield boy. You yeah, know I that. I do know that, And yeah. he was uh, an outstanding student here. He won a, a number of national uh, oratory contests. Baby, I didn't know as that. a Springfieldian, and uh, obviously has a set of pipes. I mean, for singing, yes, he can. Oh, okay, man. so but do you have seriously. Donald Trump's phone number, like his cell? Like, could you call up on, Donald Trump, like on a just on his cell phone? No. Okay, I what about what about former President um, Bush? Look, can you call? I, I I have called Donald Trump before, and I have called President Bush before, but. I always, I find that for those kinds of individuals, calling their gatekeepers That's best. and their schedulers is like, it's best to really call Cass if you want to get into this thing because she's got control that knobs. That is true. She's got, <laughs> she's got the knobs and buttons that control this place. And, uh, oh, that is I, I do, uh, I do remember Representative Murray Anderson who is, uh, and I have her number. She's pretty cool. She's also about to be a grandma in seven days or give or take. Well, just make sure it's not seven minutes because I, yes. I, don't, I don't have any desire to be involved. That's it. That. that is true. We've all said that. We've all been talking weekend. about how Cass better not go into labor live on air. Yeah. <laughs> Don, John, you've probably done everything else in your life except deliver a baby or have you delivered a baby? <laughs> Absolutely not. And, uh, Don I, does not want to. You know, the idea of the idea that everything a woman can do a man can do and vice versa is not my idea no and we did janet and i have a lot in common we're both lawyers and we both enjoy the farm we both liked riding dirt bikes and we both and matter of fact early in my life i got to be a pilot and when i did i said janet you got to learn this and i sent her out to get her license and she got a license wow. as, a, as a pilot nice and we did everything together and then all of a sudden we had a child and i said this one's for you exclusively <laughs> <laughs> it's all yours okay but wait wait changing diapers though like what ratio of diapers like i'm sure you've changed diapers with the kids wait you your son who's running for governor jay Ashcroft, how many times you change his diaper you know let me, you know, one of the things I find. <laughs> Cass is going, I can't believe he just asked. I cannot believe One of the from. things that I find about a lot of talk radio is that it's superficial. Yeah. And so you're just, that's superficial because there are two kinds of diapers. Okay. And you just have to get near the child to figure out which kind you're talking about. That is true. That is true. That is and uh, true. I was more uh, amenable to one kind of diaper than I was, I was another. I and I, I don't think your generalizations and superficial analysis is, uh, is, is to be controlling here, but I refuse to answer further on the ground okay, that it might incriminate me <laughs> he is a lawyer you can see we're having too much fun here well listen i want to get back to asking you about um the reform i mean should we reform um the the doj should they seek revenge like trump 
if he gets back in office when he does if i'm him i'm like dude i'm i'm blowing this sucker up but you know um we'll see but i can't ask you now well we got to take a, um, a little little pause here and um, we got to get to some local news we're going to be back with former attorney general john ashcroft having fun here on wake up springfield 93.3 kwto stick around he'll be back with us right next well, you're back with um, Wake Up Springfield. You're probably wondering, hey, where's the music for top three? We have um, superseded that because we have the man, the myth, the legend, <laughs> former Attorney General John Ashcroft. He's with us, and we got to take advantage of every opportunity to hear his wisdom. You say the myth. Does that mean you're going to call me Mr. Ashcroft? Oh, the, <laughs> the, I love it. <laughs> I love your sense of humor, too. Like, see, people don't get to see that side of you. I love it. So, okay, I'm on a rapid fire, former attorney. I want to, there's like three, four, five things I want to get you to comment on, but we only have about another 10 minutes. Well, call the fire department for having rapid fire. Rapid so. fire. <laughs> okay. okay, this so, is the lightning round. The light, ahead, don't and, expect lightning to strike. Okay, so listen, it's lightning round, but also, I, I want to get an in-depth, um, complete, exhaustive <laughs> answer <laughs> all in this short time. But let's go to this, though. You're starting to talk about, or we started your, the time with you talking about the Department of Justice. And the average person like me, we just think it's crooked, corrupt. You hear some people saying, do away with the FBI, do away with this one. I mean, you can't obviously do away with the whole Department of Justice. But um, if Trump, if and when Trump gets back in office, is he going for reform or is he going for revenge? Well, going for revenge is a, a bad motive. I don't think revenge is the right way for anyone to serve America. I think we ought to reform things. Uh, you mentioned the Wall Street Journal article that said I had restored credibility and integrity to the office of attorney general that had been some thought, according to the editorial of the journal, had been perhaps permanently damaged. Uh, I think we believe in restoration, and I don't think the American people want some abuse of the department by Republicans yeah. in order to replace an abuse of the department by by the current administration. And I don't, I don't believe that it. I, it how could you, in good conscience, take an oath to serve the Constitution of the United States and then pervert it? See, I'm with you. I want to say this, though, but there's what do you say to those Trump supporters out there who are saying, but they did that to us because I'm with you. Exactly. My faith leads and drives me. You know, some people don't have that faith and they're looking at it. They're conservatives and they're going, they're, they're trying to take this man's livelihood. Ninety one indictments they are trying to put him in jail, take his company. That's not fair. I mean, if he gets back in office, they want a pound of flesh. What, what do you say to those people? Well, I say what we need is the Justice Department that has a very aggressive approach against criminality but we investigate crimes we don't investigate people in hopes of finding something in their person and this idea of using the department as a way to investigate people so in hopes of finding a crime we've got plenty plenty of crime to investigate we've got crimes that should be prosecuted we've had people running wild in the streets We've got all kinds of prosecutors that literally now, because they think they're gods instead of prosecutors, say, well, I'm going to define what the law is, and I'm not going to prosecute those crimes. Those are ones I approve of, and these other crimes are ones that I'm going to prosecute because they're associated with my political opponents. That has to end, yeah. and, and there's no time at which it is too soon to end that. And I don't think that we should have a, 
a soft on crime justice department. That's not what I mean by saying we shouldn't have revenge, but our implementation of the justice department should be based on investigating and prosecuting criminal behavior rather than trying to make criminals out of average ordinary citizens or even public servants. That's good. Okay. I'm going to switch gears on you a little bit. Um, what can the Department of Justice do to speak into this crazy illegal immigration? I mean, 10 million people have come across. They say the CBP says 8.3 million Border Patrol encounters under President Biden in two and a half years. 1.7 million gotaways. It's getting out of control. Well, you know, the Department of Justice used to house, when I was Attorney General, became Attorney General, we housed the Immigration and Naturalization Service called INS, and it had the border patrol in it. I went to the border on numerous occasions, rode on the border in their patrols and participated. Uh, uh, and I cooperated with the Mexican authorities. They understood that, uh, that they would either cooperate or there would be repercussions. And, uh, this green lighting that we've done has welcomed not only people to cross the border illegally, but the uh, the nefarious organizations which yeah. make money doing it, and and some say now that the government of Mexico is fostering this. That's now, what they're saying because they're saying they're lo- but, allowing them to come across on trains. And so the president of the United States has a responsibility here. That the enforcement responsibility has been switched from the Department of Justice to the Department of Homeland Security, but they're taking orders from the president of the United States. And if the president of the United States would say to Mexico, there are going to be serious consequences. You know, Mexico's our, I think it's our biggest trading partner. You're going to do these kinds of things to us to undermine and erode the safety, security, and well-being of the United States. There are going to be consequences. Trump said that and had constricted the stream, the the river of illegal immigrants was down to a, a lowly trickle. Yes, it was. And the yeah. bridge over the Rio Grande was the bridge over trickled waters, not flood waters. Okay, I got to ask you this. Again, real quickly, you're, you're not speaking on behalf of any, you know, professional capacity. In your per, per opinion, as a citizen, are our borders open? <laughs> <laughs> I think that is. <laughs> I, I think that anybody, I, you know, I, I want to, you know, Mayorkas goes before the Congress and they hold up these, the data supplied by his own department own about department. the illegal crossings. And, uh, I, I'm, I'm looking at his hands. I'm wondering how can you have enough fingers crossed when you're saying the border is under control and closed? And frankly, maybe he's telling the truth that it's under control. It's not closed. Because it is controlled in such a way as to welcome all kinds of illegal people, yes. including terrorists and serious national security threats, which uh, could result in in very, very difficult circumstances down the road. Too. Let's not forget about all the drugs that are coming over and God really hurting us. our people. Yeah, they're help hurting our people. Uh, and uh, I don't want to ignore our own responsibility when it comes to raising generations of people dependent upon drugs. Yeah. It seems like as a culture, we have said to people, there is no problem you can have, should have, or would think of having that we won't be able to fix for you chemically. There you go. And it's time for the United States of America to embrace the philosophy that some of us 
need to shape up. When we when it's a scary situation, we don't take a pill. We suck it up, tighten our belt, yes. and deal with it. And uh, we need to tell our children in no uncertain terms, don't beware of illegal fentanyl. fentanyl. Try Nancy Reagan's uh, admission on that. Just say no to drugs. That's good. So, hey, listen, um, former Attorney General John Ashcroft, he's getting out of here. I got, I got a, one more quick question for you, and we got to get your professional opinion. And we're like, this is like <laughs> 10 or 15 seconds. Give me your picks for the Super Bowl. Who's going to be in the Super Bowl? AFC and NFC. Well, uh, this San Francisco team <laughs> they looks look good. very good. Mm-hmm. They look good. And uh, this young man who's the quarterback there. Purdy. Is uh, pretty good. He's pretty so good. To, so to speak. <laughs> uh, a young lad from Iowa State. And, you know, I happen to be a, an underdog puller. I mean, okay. here's the guy, the last person in the draft. Everybody labeled him Mr. Irrelevant. Yeah. He's got the highest percentage of completions. And normally, if you have the highest percentage of completions, it's because you're dinking and dunking short passes around the backfield and barely across the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. He has the highest per completion yardage of anybody in the league, including our revered Patrick Mahomes. Purdy looks good. He looks pretty good. Yeah. So I. So who are you going with in the FC? So you're going with the you're going with the Niners in the NFC. It sounds like. Yeah, I don't know. And of course, um, I don't know whether Miami's got enough offense without its defense, but they've been okay. coming on strong, and they've got the fastest, um, fastest human being. Tyreek. <laughs> One time, you know, when okay. I was governor, I used to have a chance to play i played i skied against the fastest skiers in the world i ran against the fastest human being ivory crockett still holds the 100 yard dash Mm -hmm. ivory's from st louis Uh, he's still a friend of mine he still holds the 100 yard dash record because they've changed the race now to 100 meters so he'll hold the 100 yard dash. nobody's running i was going but i love those uh (laughs) i love those yeah well and uh, so I have a real uh, respect for people who can turn the motor on. And uh, it's uh, Tyreek, uh, once he uh, turns on his motor, yeah. nobody can do anything but smell his exhaust because, man, he's he's going for the goal line. So I don't know yeah, whether yeah. I, I – these are not my preferences. I'm a Kansas City fan. All right. So you're thinking realistically there. Hey, it's been a pleasure having you here with us. We can't wait to do it again soon. Um, thanks for joining us this morning, Attorney General Ashcroft. So, God bless you, sir. Amen. Glad to be with you.